welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. Welcome back to another episode of 81 Points. We're here to talk about a lot of things today it's a lot I, you know we say this every every podcast you know there's a lot to talk about but we're not lying you know yeah we've been doing uh weekly podcasts lately yeah so you know well seven I mean, days is a long time <laughs> yeah it's and you know it's funny because um yeah like game of thrones has finished and yes. there's never a shortage of things to talk about for that show but you know, and we've said it before. There's a lot of like parallels between that show and, uh, you know, the Lakers, the city of the Lakers. Both, I feel like, in the quality of the show, and as you can say, you know, the quality of the ownership. I thought of a new parallel okay. between Game of Thrones and the Lakers world that I think is okay. very apt. All right, all right. Let's hear. So, it. to me, the Game of Thrones television series mirrors Kobe Bryant's career, basically. So you had the first couple of seasons that were awesome. Yeah. And then, let's just say after the the end of season six, you Mm -hmm. see, that's when Daenerys and her whole crew sailed sailed right. across the sea right and so you would say actually the end of season six is uh is pretty much the, the last Achilles, chance. it was the achilles injury okay yeah basically and then yeah. uh the last two seasons were basically the uh post achilles <laughs> years for the game of thrones tv series yeah it's uh it's a very it's a, yeah it's a really good analogy because uh those two seasons were just very just cringeworthy so the finale <laughs> aired this past weekend. Where did you watch it? Yeah. Um, what was you know, your experience like? Um, yeah, and I just watched it with the same, you know, buddies of mine to watch uh, that, was, that have been watching the show. And, um, you know, the experience was, you know, just to recap, you know, episode one of season eight, it was okay, but passable. It's com- it's kinda, it was kind of what I expected out of the show. I feel like it was okay because that was the first episode in almost two years. Right. So we were just longing for some new, yeah, we were just kind of a dipping new our, episode. You know? We were kind of dipping our toe yeah. in, the, in the water. And, you know, I still had problems with it. I still had issues of it with it. I still felt like it was mediocre. But I was like, I just want to see where this goes. Season two now, I was blown away by episode it. Episode two. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Not season two. Episode two, I was blown away. I was like... It just got me all excited again. It got me amped, and I was ready. I was like, this is amazing. And actually, you know, did we talk about this last time, though? That's uh, episode two. I actually checked back, and that was the only episode that was not written by the two head writers, D&D. Oh, no, we didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Isn't that so funny? What are you trying to say? That's so interesting, though. What are you trying to say I just felt like that was D&D. so... <laughs> Um, so yeah, coincidentally enough, that was the one episode in this season that I loved. Um, and then after season, or I keep saying season, but every, after episode three, I just, I realized that, you know, the Achilles was just never going to be the same for the show. The Achilles had been completely ruptured and this season was, and, uh, for the rest of the show was pretty much 
done. D and D as a team had a very similar vibe to uh, Majinka, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is yeah. appropriate because uh, those two are, are back in the news now. But yeah. we'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah, you know, well, I feel like it's almost like giving uh, Majinka too much credit, even though you know how much I despise D&D at this point. But at least D&D they had... Have a, they have a good track record. Yeah, I mean, they have... Apart from the last... Yeah, like the first six seasons were just... the. They know how of... to interpret source material <laughs> very well. Exactly. Um but yeah, I you know going through all those last couple episodes, I my expectations were so much lower, and I actually enjoyed it because my expectations were so much lower. Um, this last episode, I thought it was like being a Clippers fan. You're happy with yeah. the first, a first round exit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this last episode, I, I I was I had all kinds of problems with it as usual. There was just it was just the dialogue had has never been cringier, never been more you know unintentionally hilarious you know yeah so the dialogue i i feel like i i don't think the writers just all all of a sudden forgot how to write good lines okay they were probably directed to hey let's let's wrap i i consider the series finale as the let's wrap hurry up and wrap shit up episode (laughs) So well, if I you're giving like that the, directive to hurry up and like well, that's tie the, that was a whole nice season, bow, don't you think? Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you can necessarily like blame the writers. Well, you know that last episode was actually directed by D and D. It's not surprising <laughs> to me at all. <laughs> so they actually wrote and directed that last episode. Okay, it's hilarious. It makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you know, again, cinematography was. It, breathtaking amazing i don't know how many more superlatives you can give the cinematography it was just like that scene when the when drogon like emerged behind yeah the snow yeah, yeah. uh when he emerged behind daenerys like oh oh that part too yeah yeah it yeah. was just ridiculously like beautiful is that's the thing everything about it the acting was fantastic as usual everything was so good it's just you know putting lipstick on a pig so but it's kind of like Good toppings on a shitty On a pizza. shit? <laughs> on a, just shit? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it is. But, you know, like, I don't know. Do we even need to go through it? I feel like, I almost feel like my work is, my work is done. Like, I've, like <laughs> I've been on this crusade since season seven to be, like, trying to convince people that this show has gone so bad. But now I feel like everybody is on it now. Um and everybody knows how bad it is. I don't know. It's There's very. Just... Uh, I feel like it's somewhat of a divisive uh, topic. You think so? On on uh, social media, really? Because you have different groups. the The book readers have always kind of shitted on the show to a certain degree, but now they're they have a much stronger voice. Right. Well, I will say the book readers from seasons one and four, they were pretty much on board with it too. I think for the most part, unless. I mean, you got to There's the hardcore, hardcore who I, I think, I don't know if they'll ever, they would have ever been satisfied. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, there's just some things that George R. Uh, George R. R. Martin wrote that you can't really. I mean, this guy wrote like Bible length books. You know what I mean? Well, inherently, so, book readers are always gonna have, always gonna take some issue with that, that's a good the point interpretation too. Sure, of it on screen. Sure, that's a good point. But yeah. you know, for the most part, I think the book readers as a whole thought seasons one through four were amazing and then five and six is kind of where i think people 
maybe were kind of clamoring They're a little like, bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it was still great. Be, yeah. Might no. Be a little wrong yeah. Here. But it was still great. Like season six, uh, I think, is where they had Battle of the Bastards and Hodor, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, fucking amazing. Like, well, I, I the, still the thought. The Hodor thing uh, was one of the three major plot plot points that George R. R. Martin gave to right. D&D. So right. I think it was that, uh, Jon Snow being resurrected. Oh, it wasn't the... And then the his, third... It wasn't the, his birthright? No, I think, I think they... Was that revealed in the I book? think they gave... I think enough people knew oh, okay. where that was headed because mm-hmm. the whole R plus L equals J thing was out there. Yeah. But so I don't think it was that. And the third thing was... Um, oh, shit. Excuse me. Um, the third thing was... The ending. Bran, I'm assuming. Bran being Bran. I think uh, it was King. more um, uh, how Daenerys turned into the Mad Queen. Oh. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So those are like the three main points that George R. R. Martin gave to Dan and Dave. And they just fucked it up from and there. And then everything else was kind of... They, they, they had a general outline of where, how character arcs were supposed to end. Yeah. So for a lot of the main characters, supposedly they, the way their story arcs ended on the show is going to mirror somewhat closely how it ends mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. And then there are other characters that are like completely they took a lot of liberties because like for you know for instance Bron yeah you know reasons, because yeah. like he tested he was a very well. positive he was he was very positively received by viewers. So they wanted to keep him around. Yeah. And there are, you know, several other characters that fell into that that fell into that category. Yeah. So that kind of all contributed to the story kind of getting fucked up. And then you have like the whole pacing of it too, which was well, the major thing. I think that was the biggest thing. And yeah. you know, again, like we're harping on it, but it's true. And I think even all the liberties that they took, even all the like Daenerys becoming the Mad Queen, I had no problems with it. It made sense on a lot of levels, but it was just the way it happened, you know. And I think that's what everybody had a problem with. That's what I had a huge problem with, you know. Yeah, I was I was at a I was at a finale watch party. Yeah, and we were all like pretty shocked that she died pretty early on in the episode. Oh, okay. And kind of in the fashion. Yeah. It just it just all felt very anticlimactic because of the pacing of it all, you know. But yeah. the the whole fact that she did die like that is okay. You right. Know, the concept totally. of it is fine, but it's just the way it all came to be was a little bit well, off. Well, you know, the thing that it just... The way it read, it was like... Or the way they finished the show, it was like a... Like, the first five six seasons were world building they were just like these epic soaring like you know narratives that were being built this huge world that was built right and then the last two seasons especially the last season you know what it felt like it felt like i was fucking reading a, a wikipedia entry yeah that's what it was right yeah and that, that's why it was so un like like not compelling for me and and it just no character development. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I felt like yeah. I was just reading reading something on a Wikipedia of what exactly happened. So, yeah, yeah it just all kinds of shit that just the way it just turned out. Like Tyrion, uh, he just he's such an idiot. 
now and he's suggesting that Bran be the king is such a outlandish thing to suggest, you know. Bran the Broken. <laughs> the only, for me, the only character in this finale uh, whose story arc ended well was Arya. You thought so, yeah? Everyone else, okay. I was like, I had a problem with it. When I saw, when I saw a small council, I was like looking at a people, uh, I was looking at a table full of characters that should have died. Yeah. Like, yeah. every single one of those guys should have right. died, I felt like. Right. And then, Bran becoming the king, they, there's a lot of jokes out there on social media now is that he's, like, the guy who uh, Did doesn't help on a group project and still gets an A. Yeah. So he becomes king for, you know, it didn't really put in any work. And I think, for me, the, the character that I felt like that I had the biggest problem with how uh, the story arc ended John for Snow. was Jon Snow. Of course. It was like he got royally screwed. He got the so most fucked on this out show. of everybody. Yeah, like he he did. You know he he put in he put in the biggest sacrifice out of any other character because you know he really loved Daenerys and he yeah. had to kill the woman that he loved. Yeah, and then he gets sent to the wall. Like, and why did they even need the wall? Also, why did what was the whole point of him being resurrected then? You know what I mean? Yeah, he he went from. <laughs> You, you have a story of a character who goes from being like a bastard and he's becomes like yeah loved yeah. and followed every at every turn you know, becomes he, the king of the north a becomes bastard the king of the north and yeah. then you find out that he should be the ruler of the seven kingdoms and, yeah and then he gets like two three demotions back to being <laughs> going back to the wall yeah so i had a big problem with how his story arc ended i read some i don't know where i read it it might have been read it but it was like Basically, the way his uh, the way his like whole story turned out, it was like someone working at Staples dying, and then getting resurrected to return back to his staple his shitty Staples job. <laughs> yeah, it's just so unsatisfying and, yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, and he got you know he got royally, royally fucked this whole season. Like he had very few lines. They he did very little actually, you know. Yeah. So it's just it boggles my mind, man. It boggles my mind that this this draft, these drafts of the script like passed through so many so many hands, I'm assuming, and it got greenlit, you know. Well, if like you said Dan and Dave wrote and directed the last episode, <laughs> there were no hands for the, for any of these scripts to be passed. Yeah, to, you, know, you know. And that's another theory of that Basically, they had so much power over control over the show that no one kept them in check. These guys, I'm mm. convinced, were completely delusional. Someone having so much power in an organization with yeah. any, any checks and balances, hmm, that kind of <laughs> sounds familiar. Well, I think let's say, okay, that's a perfect segue, I think. Let's well, before, about... we, before we get to the Lakers, okay. I, I did come up with my top 10 Game of Thrones characters. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So I wanted to read this off to you and okay. um, let me know what you think. Okay. This, now this is your favorite. Your personal favorite, or you're just saying? You yeah. These that? are my favorite top ten favorite characters. Uh, okay. And it'll it'll be it might surprise some people out there because I I did omit some major characters. Okay. But I just ended up not liking some of the bigger characters. Which is on, fair. On this I show. think it's fair. And also, some of these characters, major characters, were 
interpreted differently on the show versus the book like some people love the book version of certain characters you know yeah so yeah and, w- and whenever i watch like a movie or a tv show i always find the most compelling and best characters to be those that have you know many layers to them right like more complex uh right mental makeups sure you know because some of these guys are very simple like john snow he's like a He's a simpleton in a lot of ways. You kind of know what you get with him. He is very simple. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, spoiler alert, he's not on my top 10 list. Yeah. Um, I think, which would surprise a lot of people, I think a lot of people would put him in, in their top 10 list. Yeah. Just because he had such a huge role in this uh, in this story. But um, I did rank my top 10 Game of Thrones characters, so I'll start from uh, number 10. Okay. Uh, I put number 10 as a Dario. Okay. Dario Naharis. I kind of wish an that, interesting pick. I kind of actually. wish that he would have showed up again um, later on. He kind of got. He got the shaft. Yeah, he got the shaft. Well, but, you know, all of Daenerys' uh, you know exes, ex flames have gone the shaft. You know. Yeah. True. So true. But I I was uh, I put him in my top ten because. Okay. Um, yeah. Why did you? You know, first of all, he's like uh, I, I feel like his character has a lot of charisma and. I would be interested to know more of his backstory on like how he came to be. The, he seemed the, a little. He's like kind of a mysterious yeah, guy. There's okay. mystery around him. If I remember correctly, though, that guy was played by two different people, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He okay. Was. Okay. You're talking about the the, the dark haired version, though, right? <laughs> I probably. Yeah. I guess. I guess because he was the better actor, they yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. they they had to yeah switch make the switch. Okay. All um, right. Who's number nine? Number nine, I put Tormund. Which I think oh. would be a lot of would be in a lot of people's top ten sure. lists. Well, I would consider him a simpleton, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. But he, but yeah, absolutely. He's he's just a fan favorite, though. If you're if you're as funny as he is, then yeah. you can make it on my top ten. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely watch a, a spinoff comedy show of John and Torment, Adventures of John and Torment. You know. Yeah, the whole story about him like killing a giant was cool too. Yeah, yeah. you know that added to his character. Yeah. So next, number eight, I put uh, Egret. Wow, you're a wilding. John Snow's, you're a wilding uh, at heart, huh? Jon Snow's first lover. Hold on, let me guess. I feel like Mance Raider's on your list here. Uh, he's not. Oh, and she's not. Okay. Yeah. He's probably on your honorable mentions, though. Would yeah, you? yeah, he would be. Yeah. Uh, but Egret, so you're a fan of the wildlings. Uh, they, 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 they're interesting. Not, not necessarily. Oh, yeah, okay. some of them are, though. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Egret, uh, you know. I thought her. I thought uh, her and Jon Snow have exponentially, infinitely more uh, chemistry than Jon Snow and Daenerys. Well, unsurprisingly, they're they are married. They in are real married life. in real life. So that's probably yeah. So she I mean, made was, my top ten list. Yeah. Um, number seven is the only Stark character that I have on my top ten. Uh, Arya. Okay, it's fair. It's fair. Uh, and I don't think I need to explain yeah. why. I think she's a. She's generally a fan favorite. Uh, number six, I said, was Jorah Mormont. I think his character, okay. uh, his character evolved in a very uh, good fashion. In the beginning, it was in the beginning, like it was a little bit more simple. Yeah, and then you grew to like. Well, he had a bit of a checkered past. Yeah, you you grew to empathize with him, and you kind of followed his journey from losing it all to gaining it back. Right. You know, 
uh, Gerard Mormont. Yeah, so I put of House Friend Zone. Of House Friend Zone, yeah, Friend Zone <laughs> till the end, unfortunately. <laughs> For a lot of guys out there, you know, if you've been friend zone, you definitely, uh, mm -hmm. definitely feel what Jorah Mormont uh, felt. Okay. Didn't even get a kiss on the way out. Nah. Yeah. Uh, so number five was the Hound. Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely okay. one of the best characters. Sure, I can get behind that. Uh, another another character who just grew to have so many more layers to him. Yeah. Uh, and then the way he went out was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was the one uh, aspect of the show that they got right. For yeah, sure. for or, any uh, of the few season eight things that happened yeah. correctly, Clegane Bowl lived up to the height. Yeah, yeah. Number four, which I think might be, it could be your number one. I put Ramsey Bolton. Love that villain. Yeah, he was amazing. He's my favorite villain of the show. Yeah, he's. Sure. De I, I feel like he was definitely the best villain. Um, now that it's all wrapped up um yeah i mean what can you say the acting was amazing and he just was battle of the bastards was such a great that episode. was the best episode of the whole series you in my so? opinion yeah 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 i mean it was that's that's still i still watch clips of that episode sometimes from he, time to time. I, I mean that that episode also had the whole scene with um denarius uh, riding the dragon and destroying all the slavers' uh, ships. Wow! Yeah. And then Grey Worm like yeah. cutting both those dudes, like yeah. shaking both those dudes at the same time. Yeah, that was so such that a was great... part of that episode too. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a dope episode. Yeah. So Ramsey's number four. Hold on, let me try to guess your top three. Uh, Theon Greyjoy. I mean, to, to... Theon Greyjoy. No. Theon Greyjoy didn't make your top ten. He didn't. Oh, okay. Um, He's an honorable mention. Okay, sure. all right. So who's number number three then? Uh, number three is Jamie Lannister. He so he's uh, he's probably my n number one choice. Yeah, actually, um, you said uh, I think in the last podcast that he might be your favorite character in all of uh, TV, which is like know. yeah, I don't. Well, one of my I don't old statement. Yeah, I don't know if I would. If I said that, I don't remember saying that, but he's definitely one of my favorite all time. Too. Yeah, but he's not my favorite. But yeah, he he's probably number one on this Game of Thrones list for sure. But that's which is why I'm so pissed off that they did him so dirty in episode seven, the way he went out. Yeah, is so stupid. They just undid seven years of character arc development. You know, so I w yeah, because I think a lot of people were thinking that he was going to end up like. Uh, betraying Cersei, or well, you know, you know, killing Cersei. You know what? Uh, what John did to Daenerys? That whole scene that should have been that like, should have been Jamie and Cersei, yeah, yeah, right? Yep, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So despite the shitty ending to his character, Jamie is still my top three. He's number yeah. three, uh, number two, um, Tyrion, obviously. Oh, without a doubt. Um, had the best lines out of. Um, any other character in the series? Well, in the first six yeah. seasons, yeah, he, he had the best one-liners out, out of anyone else. Yeah, he did, um, and played amazingly by Peter Dinklage. Yeah, because I think George R. R. Martin said if it, out of all the actors that um, embodied were, were in the show, that uh, Peter Dinklage, uh, yeah, embodied Tyrion the best. Yeah, um, and you know that's the thing too with the Lannister family; their their family was just so much more interesting, you know. Yeah, like Cersei was like the least interesting Lannister, yeah. and she's still one of the the family, the fan favorites, you know, and deservedly so, you know, yeah. just because, yeah. But every character in that 
Like Tywin, one of my all-time favorite characters. Too. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an honorable mention too. Yeah, me. he would be on in my top ten. Um, for him, I feel like Charles Dance just like made it so much better because he's such an awesome actor. Yeah. Um, so I contributed a lot of that to yeah, his Yeah, you know, his, his opening scene, his first entrance into the show Game of Thrones was him, like... Like gutting uh, skidding a pig a, or something? A, skidding a stag. Yeah. Um, talking to his son. And it was just, yeah, I'll always remember that scene. So, yeah, the Lannisters are... You could put them their whole family in the top ten for me, almost. Yeah. So number one uh, is a character that I felt... I I was most I was most uh, hurt by his his death. Oh okay. Um, and it's a uh, little finger. It's uh the uh, the uh, sun spear, over in Martell. Oh right. I feel like I feel like you can do a I forgot him, yeah. whole other spinoff series just on him just on his character alone. Yeah, he's uh, he would be on a lot of people's top ten, top five. He'd yeah, be on a lot of people's top five. And uh, you know the the guy who played him, uh, Pedro Pascal. Obviously, he's like an awesome actor. He's like you know he went on to do Narcos yeah. and all, all that. So um, for me, he was my favorite Game of Thrones character. Yeah, you know what's so crazy is that he's such he is such a fantastic actor that it's. Hard to believe that he played, uh, um, he he only played him in one season, right? Like he was only not even a full season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. That's how much of a mark he made in his few episodes that he had. You yeah, know? yeah. But um, God, just even talking about Over Martell makes me so angry about how this show ended because that, like, when he was on that show, it was like. That was peak Game of Thrones. That was that was like eighty one points. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I was like watching eighty one points. Oh, Marvel. you know, yeah. So speaking of that season, I I, I know I said that Battle of the Bastards was my favorite episode, yeah. but my favorite scene of all time yeah. was uh, when Tyrion was on trial, like that whole speech that he gave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About um, you know, I demand a trial by combat. Yeah. I thought that was like the single best scene of the entire. Series. Which I think actually that's not in the books either. Oh, it's not? Yeah. Oh. Which is so confounding, you know what I mean? Yeah, that they can, the showrunners can come up with something D&D, like that. D&D, man. That's why I believe that they just were fucking lazy about, you know? Yeah, they're moving on to uh, Star Wars. Yeah, now, and I hope right? they fucking just fall. No, okay, I won't, I won't wish ill will, but um, yeah. Anyways. That's like an almost impossible thing, too, because like... What there's been nine Star Wars movies now, and yeah. I think like the the most recent six installations have been generally shitted on, lackluster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, so it's like really hard to break that break that wall. You yeah, know? you know, you want to talk about uh, Game of Thrones like fans dealing with Game of Thrones fans. Oh uh, yeah, Star I Wars mean, fans are they're on another level yeah. with their discontent. Yeah, you know. So good luck to them. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, but the series is over. Thankfully, like it or not, that's it was, how it ended. It's like you're watching your favorite pet just be taken back, just and get old yellered. <laughs> yeah, I just can't believe that John Wall's a nice watchman again. It's like <laughs> he went through all that just to come full circle and become a man of the it's Night's Watch again, us, man. Uh, 
But anyways, yeah, I could we could I think honestly we could go on and on about how bad that episode was, but yeah, let's not um yeah. Let's not get too frustrated here. Yeah. Because there's so much more frustration to be <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, before out. we get into the frustration, there was a bit of positive news. Okay. Because I think um between today and the last podcast episode, the draft lottery happened. Right. And I think, you know, uh, before the lottery, we were saying how, depending on how things uh, turn out, it could potentially be huge for the Lakers. And as it turned out, the Lakers ended up with the number four pick, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, uh, obviously, I would have loved to have been in the top three. Because, you know, for the most part, I think people are saying this is a top two to three uh, player draft, right? But at the end of the day, it's whatever number before the Lakers pick. <laughs> they would say it's a. If the Lakers ended up with the the number three, they would have said it's a two a two player draft. Yeah. If, um, if they ended up with the number two pick, it would be like oh Zion and everybody else. But no, because because the Lakers have the fourth pick, it's all of a sudden a, a three player draft. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you know, at the end of the day, like. To have moved from the eleventh pick to number four is such a. You can do so much with that. It's a big win. It's a big fucking deal, you know. So, yeah, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. We we sh- we got to celebrate the fact that, you know, that is some really really good fortune that just came our way. That that cute little winning streak that the Lakers went on at the end of March ended yeah. up like not not hurting. Not right. hurting their draft prospects, you know, so that turned out positively. Yeah, in addition to, like, now, I don't care what anyone says, you cannot say that the Boston Celtics package, like, the Boston can offer a better package than the Lakers. You, you cannot say that. Well, it's funny because, you know, now that we're, now that the dust is settling a little bit in yeah. terms of available assets, yeah, a lot of attention has turned back to Brandon Ingram's clot, blood clot, Right. little mishap right that you know by all reports is like fully is expected to be fully healed and he's expected to make a full recovery right before the start of uh, next season but you know you know how narratives work out there oh yeah and uh that that little incident is coming back in the way people are spinning who has better assets yeah yeah so uh, all of a sudden i'm hearing all this chatter about oh but i would be very concerned about Brandon Ingram's blood clot, which is bullshit. Okay, yeah, it is bullshit. But yeah, I agree. I think we have the we have the number four pick. Ingram, obviously. I hope I hope the Lakers don't trade Ingram. Well, I you know I'm just baffled at how people are still sleeping on Brandon Ingram though. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I think some people are starting to come around. Yeah, but. Like over overall, yeah, it's like I guarantee he is you, still being slept on. Like I guarantee sense. you, this is what will happen, right? Is that Brandon Ingram will get shipped out for, yeah, a guy like Anthony Davis, which is something you do ten out of ten times. But Ingram is gonna be, he's gonna emerge as like this absolute stud superstar player, averaging twenty five plus, and people are gonna say, "Wow, the Lakers didn't know what they had." And they just can't you just imagine that narrative unfolding? Like, oh, the Lakers didn't know what they had. Like, 
you know, they just let go another future superstar. Like no one, like they didn't know, they didn't develop him right, and which is completely false. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like I'm saying right now, like Brandon Ingram, we have seen not just glimpses. We've seen him like at least like for the at least a month before he went down an injury, he was looking like it just. And I tweeted this a couple weeks ago too. I would take him number one overall now at this point if you redo that that draft. There's no, he he's not a player with a fatal flaw in his game. Exactly, you know. And Ben Simmons, which is the guy that we're talking about, he has an absolutely a fatal flaw. He can't shoot. He's got Lonzo Ball disease. You know, <laughs> he's got. <laughs> you know. So wow. you're you're offending a lot of people out there right now. <laughs> He's got Lonzo Ball disease, and so if you can't shoot, you're not worthy to be a number one overall pick. Can you imagine? Honestly, though, can you imagine? Like, would you be able to? And I'm not even don't attach Ben Simmons' name to it. Just say player A. Hey, this player that you can potentially draft has like the skill set of like just he just has a skill set that is very few have seen in the league. But then with the caveat, but his shooting is is a huge question mark, and we'll never know if it'll ever get fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you still draft this guy number one? Knowing, let's say, there was a Brandon Ingram. Yeah, it's all relative to who else is available. Yeah, so let's say you knew for sure Brandon Ingram was on the board, and you knew what you would be getting through him. But you, there was a X player X with Ben Simmons' dis, uh, description. Yeah. You wouldn't draft Ben Simmons. Is uh, I'm assuming Ingram is younger than Simmons too, right? I think so. Okay, yeah. but but maybe they're probably around the it's, same. It's it's negligible. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if if you're the Sixers and you can redraft, what yeah. do you think they do? You think they take Ingram? That's that's a so hard question. to say that because is a hard to say, because yeah. you know as, I mean team makeup as as fatal of a flaw as Ben Simmons' shooting is I mean he's still an all star and he still brings a lot to the table but you know another thing too though is that honestly Ben or uh, and dude I'm sounding like a total Brandon Ingram stand but you are though but I I am yeah, and yeah, I've always are, been I've always been but. But Brandon Ingram is a fucking underrated shooter too. People are sleeping on his—I mean, not shooter. Uh, people are sleeping on his uh, passing ability too. There was a point yeah. where they made him point guard for like I don't know a couple weeks too because so many so many injuries. I don't know if it was this year or last year, and he was averaging like near ten assists a game. I think this was last two years ago actually. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, his his passing ability is you know obviously not on the level of Ben Simmons. But yeah, you know, fuck it. If I was a Sixers, you gotta, I would go with uh, Brandon Ingram too over, over Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And yet his, uh, I feel like his his uh, value right now yeah. is not as universally um, criticized you know, or hyped as or valued as you know people who actually watch him and know what he's capable of. Is. Yeah. Um, I do suspect. I do suspect that like GMs and front offices around the league that actually study analytics and stuff, they they can see what his value is. Brandon Ingram. Yeah. So I think this is all media hype. I agree. I agree. And I also, and that's a really good point. And I think, you know, I feel like the Lakers, they're just getting played so hard. You know what I mean? And I feel like the rest of the league know exactly this is another example but the rest of the league know exactly how talented brandon ingram is 
but but they're not showing their hand. You know, everyone's like, yeah, I mean, he's okay. Anyone who know, anyone can see what's going on. Like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty obvious what he's capable of. Yeah. You know, and he's only twenty one years old. Yeah, I think he, I think he's right now already one of the best one on one. Right, scores, I saw that stat too. Yeah, uh, in the league, if you look at the analytics, so he has that tool set. Uh, obviously, the seven. Seven three wingspan, and he's only twenty one. I would say like the mate. If there was any type of flaw in his game, it would probably be his three point shooting. Right. If anything. Right. Uh, but, but that's not something that's not like n- unfixable. Yeah. yeah. His his form is is good enough where you can see uh, substantial improvement in his three point shooting in the yeah. future. Yeah. And he ended ended the season on a tear before he got shelved. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'm hoping the Lakers don't trade him. I feel like he can be a cornerstone piece. Well, with the caveat that like we're not getting Anthony Davis, right? Is what you're saying? Well, that depends. If if the Lakers get Anthony Davis, but have to let's say they give up the number four pick, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Kakuzma and a number and another first rounder. Would you be okay with that? I to me that I feel like that's too much for Anthony Davis. I mean, that is too much. That is too much, and you are overpaying, and you are getting fleeced. However, those are all those all can be true, but also it can also be true that you should ten out of ten times make that trade. So. Because at the end of the day, you still get to pair Anthony Davis with LeBron James. And I'm assuming at that point, you could even still bring in like a Kawhi Leonard, right? Well, that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like the Lakers should target a max free agent first. Mm-hmm. See what happens with that. Okay. And then uh, do what they need to do uh, regarding Anthony Davis. Because I, I think also the fact that they have the number four pick now, it's it means it's uh, there's a bigger hit to their salary cap because you know obviously like the rookie uh, pay the rookie pay is like scaled according right. to the draft pick, that. right? So I think the team needs to secure a free agent first before they can mm-hmm. trade for uh, potentially Anthony Davis. Okay. So I wouldn't, uh, it, you know, if if there was a game plan, I feel like the Anthony Davis stuff comes secondary to uh, free agent signing. Well, let's hope Rob Plinka knows all that. I'm assuming he's a salary cap expert, right? Because he's a he's a former agent. Yeah, he's supposed to be an expert with the CBA. That was the big selling point when he came on. <laughs> um, before we move on to Palinka, because no. I because we do have to talk about him. Yeah. Now that we have the number four pick, there's a couple of names out there that are oh, yeah. universally, you know, uh, prognosticated to be picked at that slot. Right. Let's talk about that because I know you're you're working on some stuff to talk about like potential draft um, choices. Yeah. Have I, you been? I know I've done what, a little bit. Have okay. you Have you looked into any of these guys yet? Well, I'm. I'm pretty set. Okay, so I haven't done that much research, but I'm pretty set on um, 
Garland, is that his name? Yeah, Darius Garland. Yeah, he looks really good to me. He's a uh, clutch client. Did you know that? Well, just sounds like a match made in heaven. <laughs> but yeah, he... I feel like he's got all the all the tools that that I just love, and I'm you know, and I said this to you like offline. I'm just sick of bad shooting now, and he's 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 got great. He's a great shooter. So. Another another <laughs> another shot at Lonzo he Ball. He doesn't have a he doesn't have LBD, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get some angry fans out there. Uh, so Garland, I feel like. So there's there's like a couple of uh, there's a couple of names out there that are generally like slated to be in in the four number four range. So it's him, uh, DeAndre Hunter, out of uh, Virginia, Cam Reddish from Duke, and uh, Jared Culver from uh, Texas Tech. And I want to say out of those four players. Uh, Darius Garland is probably the least athletic and really and uh, I didn't know that I think he probably has like uh, One of the if not worst measurables out of the four in terms of like height to wingspan ratio and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. um, So if you draft him, you're really drafting him based on his skill set. I didn't know he was so unathletic I thought he was like. Super I don't think quick. he's like super unathletic, but he's not like he's not gonna be bashing like dunks. But people stuff. were comparing him to De'Aaron Fox, right? Is that sort of, or is that a lazy comparison? You would would you say? I think it's a bit of a lazy comparison. Okay. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox was much more athletic uh, okay. coming out of college than because De'Aaron Fox Darius did things this year where I was like, I mean, I was just flat out wowed by his athleticism. I mean, he's not obviously Russell Westbrook explosive athleticism, but he's a very like gifted athlete you know what i mean super quick um can get up yeah you know? i don't even think garland's that fast really? as fast as fox interesting i think he's very quick i think he's very shifty okay you know so i think if you draft him you're drafting him on his skill set yeah because he he's a good shooter uh plays the pick and roll well i think he knows he's that very intelligent that. player yeah he seems I, like you I... know his iq's his iq is there yeah um but yeah, if you're uh, you know suffering from whiplash, uh, non-shooting whiplash, then Garland might be the pick, right. the pick to go with there. Right. So would you say he has less of a ceiling than a guy? What's the guy's name from Virginia? DeAndre Hunter. Right. Because I read that his ceiling is actually not. It's not like an all. I mean, it is maybe an all-star, but maybe like a multiple all-star ceiling. He has like good. A, he has good. Uh, I mean, he's a three and D guy. He has good measurables. I think. He I has... mean, to draft a three and D guy at number four, though, right? Right. I mean, he has a seven foot wingspan. Yeah. Um, but I think he is a bit older than the other guys. Right. So you, you have to consider that. that too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people are putting him at number four too. So, are you telling me right now that there were three Duke players that could potentially go in the top four? Yeah. I mean, that's how sick. <laughs> That team was. This How year. did they not win a championship? I guess that's just college basketball. Yeah, huh? it's just college basketball. That's, yeah, that's if insane. It feels like um, you're playing like best out of whatever. They would have easily won. I feel like. Wow. Because Zion, he he. Uh, there's an argument that Zion had one of the greatest college basketball seasons in <laughs> what? history. What really? Yeah, in terms of like PR, I think his PR was like over forty. Wow. He shot like. Over sixty percent from the field. Wow, that's like the guy was like amazing. 
this year. It was it was kind of like his high school mm-hmm. career where you're looking at him on the court and it's like this grown ass dude playing against boys. Right. It kind of looked the same in college. So design. So Zion Williamson passes the eye test for you. Yeah. Like flying colors. You see him and you're like, this dude is just best prospect since Anthony Davis, which is ironic because the Pelicans have <laughs> the number one pick again. Right. Um. Wow. That's crazy. I would be shocked if he's not um, a Hall of Famer, to be honest. I mean, to what level would he... If, let's say, he's just a decent NBA player. What do you mean to what decent? level? Um, let's say he becomes like a Glenn Robinson type of like... Oh, uh, the bust, for sure. Really? That would be a big disappointment. And, but you would be shocked. I would be shocked. Because Glenn I, Robinson... I mean, I just said it. I think he's, yeah. he's going to be a Hall of Famer. That's crazy. Which is why, like... Yeah, if I'm a Knicks fan right now... Pissed, I'm huh? so fucking yeah, beside myself. What about John Morant? What do you think? Yeah, because I like John Morant a lot too. But do you? You don't see him as a as a lock to be like a future Hall of Fame type of player. No, um, it's. I feel like it's harder for a point guard to be like a a lock Hall of Famer. Okay, so let me ask you. Let's say, um, let's say Zion Williamson was not. On the draft board, like he's not, he just wasn't in this draft pool, right? Yeah. Um, and you had the number one pick, and you would you be happy as a franchise picking a guy like John Morant as your number one overall pick? Ooh. Probably not. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, because he's, uh, I think he's like six two. If he was like six four, yeah, then I then I then I would, because then, then he's basically like Derrick Rose or like John Wall, right? Uh, in terms of like talent, but yeah, I I think he's a little bit smaller, so mm-hmm. I I would. I mean, he's... it wouldn't be like the ideal number one pick, I would say. Interesting, because there are people that are fully just uh, like on the John Moran bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, he's super athletic, and yeah. he showed out in the tournament too. Also, didn't he have one of he like assist wise? He had one of the most historic seasons too, right? I don't, did he, I don't did know. He oh, okay. I don't think so. Okay. I think people are comparing him to Westbrook. That's kind of like how he plays. Wow. Okay. That's kind of how he plays, and then that like he's athletic like that, like wow. explosive. All right. Um, now, what about RJ Barrett? So yeah. So you don't think I, this I'm, is a three player draft? I'm like totally not on the RJ Barrett hype train. Okay. For some reason. I just haven't seen anything that's like screams like perennial all star to me. Does he have good measurables? Um, I'm not sure. Actually, I could look that up. Um, okay. So basically, though, I mean, how do you feel about the Lakers having gone through some some initial research on who the Lakers could pick? Yeah. So do you feel like we could let's say let's say for some reason we kept everybody and we we're not everybody we kept a pick and we drafted someone. Uh-huh. Who would you want to pick and would you be happy with it? See, I I would need to do a little bit more mm-hmm. digging on that. Okay. Uh but there there uh there was a thought out there that maybe um the Lakers could trade down and pick up more assets. Okay. And I would maybe be open to that. Really? Yeah. That doesn't always work out, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think most often it doesn't. But um, I, I told you about like Nasir Little. Like I think he's like a right. crazy 
You say he's a sleeper of the I draft. I think he's a sleeper prospect for sure. But number four would be a reach, right? Yeah, no one, no one has him as a, no one has him as like a top five pick. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I would need to like look into it, look into it a little bit more. Um, and judging by what I'm seeing on Twitter, what I'm seeing on social media, uh, it's not a, it's not a universally uh, easy thing to pick right now. But you would say it's like sixty percent Garland, right? Yeah, I would say so. I, I would say if any, if there's any player that is getting the most support from Lakers fans to to be drafted, it's it's Garland. So. And I feel like you know. um, I feel like it's only because he just simply hadn't played enough games, right? Because if you look at those averages in his college games, which was I think was like four, those numbers are pretty eye-catching. It just happens to be such a small sample size. Is that right? Yeah, I think he was hurt. Very uh, like he good. tore his meniscus like really early into the season, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he shot, I think, like 43% from three or something, which is ridiculous, right? On the college level. Yeah, I mean, so you know, if that, I don't know how much, uh, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because, you know, Lonzo shot over 40% from three. Well, I mean, well, what did... Uh, so what are your thoughts? I don't know how you feel about him, too. <laughs> hold so. on a second, hold on a second. Well, I think Lonzo was an extremely outlier case. But what did, okay, so what did Garland shoot from the free throw? Yeah, let me look that up. I think that's a very telling uh, stat, too. Um, and also, Garland, while I don't like outwardly just love his form, it's still a more orthodox form. It's fluid. Okay, so he shot... All right, he'll, this is only, he only played five games okay. in college. Okay, so take, it, take that with a huge grain of salt. Okay. But he shot 54% from the field, 48% from three. And 40 did you say 48 yeah how many threes did he take it's like he averaged 4.6 attempts that's yeah that's 2. A good number. out of 4.6 and he shot uh 75 from the free throw line yeah okay so yeah if he if those numbers had averaged out over a course of a full season he'd be in the conversation as a top three pick right perhaps i mean those yeah i mean yeah he's a lot of people are slaying him to be drafted by the lakers so okay uh, I, yeah, and I think LeBron recently commented on a Instagram post from Garland, which is adding say? more fuel to the speculation that the Lakers are going to draft him. Um, but you know, based on what based on what we're seeing on the outside, LeBron is losing the power struggle right now. Yeah. In the uh, yeah, I find you know Lakers I, organization. I find it so hilarious. Like you know, LeBron is. I, it's like I wonder what he's doing right now because. He must feel like he doesn't know what to do right now, because usually he's playing at this time of the season, you know. Yeah. So he's like, I don't know what I, I don't know what to do, you know. There's a clip of him. Um, he showed up to the he showed yeah. up to Frank Vogel's uh, inter- yeah, yeah, yeah. introductory press conference. Yeah. And there's a clip 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 of him just like like tossing some baskets. Yeah. Tossing some balls like through the hoop. <laughs> he looked hell bored. He's bored, <laughs> dude. Yeah. He misses the he misses the big stage of the NBA playoffs. So we should talk about what happened this week. Okay. Our uh, our favorite former president of basketball operations <laughs> went on first take and basically uh, aired a lot of people's dirty laundry out. 
Yeah. Uh, did you watch the interview? I did. I did. And um, boy, I mean, I don't know. Where do you, where do we even begin? I just feel like there's so much to unpackage because like, I, I just, I look at magic and I'm just thinking, God, like this guy, it's so fascinating to me that this guy is doing this, like, I don't know for lack of a better word, doing these shenanigans <laughs> for a guy that is so revered, for a guy, I mean, we're talking like inner circle Hall of Famer, you know what I mean? Like he's like a top five, he's not like a guy who just kind of... He's a Mount Rushmore player. He's a, yeah, exactly, he's a Mount Rushmore type of player, and a Mount Rushmore type of like um, athlete in terms of charisma and impact and influence. You know what I mean? Or so we thought. Or so we thought, yeah. But, you know, in his prime, in his playing days and, and all that, you know, like, there were very few athletes that even touched Magic in terms of his marketability, his charisma, his... I mean, I can only think of, like, you know, obviously Muhammad Ali, uh, Michael Jordan, um, I mean... Uh, Tiger Woods. Woods, maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I'm already starting to run out of names that you could say was, like, a bigger, like... It had a bigger impact or influence, you know what I mean? So, to me, it's so interesting that this guy is like... First of all, he strikes me as such a insecure guy to be doing this. Because, yeah. you know, if you're listening to this, you got to realize, if you haven't already, there is layers to what, he's, what he did, to, uh, you know, in that interview. Well, he's like, I don't hold grudges, but he's like, clearly right. he still has grudges. Well, not only that, think about when he did this. He did it on the day of the coach announcement, right? Yeah. He did it in the morning so that it preceded that conference. And what ended up, what ended up people talking about that whole day? Yeah, it kind of uh, stole the spotlight. Right. It did that. And not only that, like it, it just kind of put the Lakers in a very embarrassing situation. And so his little, like, you know, his hands up, like, hey, don't, you know, I'm, I'm just here to clear the air is such a, it's just such a bullshit move, you know what I mean? Well, I feel like, I feel like his motives are very transparent, though. Like, I don't know who's, he, he's, he's coming, he's like himself is saying, like, he's coming on the show to, like, I just want the truth to be out or whatever. Well, but obviously, like, he's trying to cover his self-image right now. I, I mean, while that may be true, though, I think the fact that he did it on the morning of that same day is not something he was like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, it's you know an obvious mean? tactic. Yeah. So, so I I'm, think, yeah, that's what I'm saying. His, like, motives are kind of clear. Oh, you're yeah. Okay, yeah. He's not sure. He's not a little finger. No. You know what I mean? No, he's, like, he's not. He's more of a Ned Stark type. Yeah. Know? I consider but, him to be, like... He's like an analog guy living in a digital world. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, he's binary. He's, he's lacking savvy, you know. Yeah. But it's yeah, just well, so interesting. Yeah. Is a guy who's so charismatic. He's very, he lacks a lot. So of I think like, his charisma is like, in the eighties, totally. Well, so total charisma. Well, so in the eighties, his charisma was like plus hundred. Like he maxed out on his charisma in the eighties. Yeah. And then it's like. It's a character, your character in the game, like, got old. <laughs> so his, his charisma just... He's basically <laughs> like a big man who didn't develop a three-point shot. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, you're, you're not the same as you once were. You yeah. Because times have changed. 
Yeah, because it's like his little flash in the smile is no longer. He can't ever. He can't. He can't get by on that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what it is? It's basically like, you know, you see this with a lot of kids. Like, you see like little kids and toddlers, and uh, you know, they. You can tell who they are. You, and you know what? If you're listening, you know who they are. All right. You got these people in your life who, like, they try to get away with shit that normally you'd be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Right? But. The reason why is because when they were growing up, they got away with fucking everything from their parents. Because they were this cute, adorable kid, and their parents would just let them just get away with fucking murder. And then they got to a certain age, they hit high school, they hit college, and then they realized, oh shit, this shit doesn't really work. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can't get away with things anymore. Yet, they still do it because they're... They don't know how else to operate. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's I mean, Magic Johnson. I mean, he, he said like... That he has no regrets with how he left. Yeah. Which I think made him look a lot worse. Basically, that whole interview made him look worse, in my opinion. And with every word he says publicly, it makes Genie Bus look a lot worse, too. Because he said stuff like, and I don't know how true it is or not, but I feel like it's kind of true that he was hired with uh, the agreement that he can still... He was basically hired... Uh, with the understanding that he was only part-time as a president of basketball operations right. because he has other business ventures. Right. And so why would Jeannie even ever agree to doing that? You know what I mean? So dumb. And people are coming to his defense like, well, he's just a decision maker and like, he, you know, a guy with right. his positions like delegates down, which is true. I think a lot of duties are delegated down. But at the same time, you like, you don't ever want to see like, a superior half-assing shit only to well, have his underlings like do all the work and then him getting all the credit right and well here's another thing too is that you know like high-level executives that half-ass it that can get away with it are executives who have been doing it for years yeah, <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying yeah like jerry west could probably half-ass his job and be better than 80 to 90 percent of the gms out there you know what i mean yeah because that fucker just shits like gm moves brilliant gm moves you know what i mean whereas magic johnson like he can't spare a brain cell he's gotta he's gotta rub these two brain cells to make it just even a, a quality thought on what to do in terms of next best moves and so for him to kind of have don't think his it, tweets uh, <laughs> convey his intelligence? No. So like for him to kind of like be in that position of like acting kind of defiantly is a kind of ridiculous thing. But like you say, it, I think it's a genie bus problem, which is just the overarching like theme with this whole situation. You know? Yeah. He, and he said, he said that he would love to buy the Lakers if they were ever on sale. That would be like my absolute nightmare if Magic was the owner of the Lakers. Yeah. Nightmare. And also, it's, it's a kind of a silly comment. Like, I feel like if I was Genie Bus and I saw that, I would be like, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, it's almost a slap in the face, almost. You know what I mean? I feel like. Yeah. Well, so what did you think of um, him basically uh, just throwing... putting all of putting all of the shit on Rob? Yeah, it was cringe. I felt like it was a little cringe. 
because uh, he basically said that Rob was the one person talking behind his back and saying that he was the absentee president. Yeah. But now there are other like people coming out and saying like everyone knew that he was everyone yeah. was saying that and everyone knew that. Well, and also not only that, like it's hilarious because <laughs> like you know, Magic is saying all this and and then you have all these people that are corroborating like Rob Palenka's side and it just it just looks bad, you know, on Magic Johnson's side because yeah. It's like, what is he trying to accomplish other than trying to save face, you know? I feel like Magic kind of operates as if the general public is not as well-informed and will take every word he says uh, with truth. Because we can easily break down and see through what he's saying, you know what I mean? Well, you know... It's an, it's a perfect analogy. Is this, this guy doesn't have a true grasp on reality, you know? It's the guy who, like, the, with the analogy of the kid growing up, having lived his whole life sheltered and like getting away with everything from his parents. Yeah, he's still li- operating under that pretense, thinking that you know everything he does, everything he does turns to gold, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I can't really blame him because the guy has lived. He's kind of got the Midas touch. I mean, the guy is unbreakable. Like he, he, he all intents and purposes, he defeated uh, HIV. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's he's winning in life still. Yeah, he's yeah, killing I mean. it. You know, he's a billionaire now. So um, yeah, I mean, so I can't really blame him for having being a little out of touch with reality. He kind of just happens. It comes with the territory for people of his stature. You know, when you live a life where you're so successful, like, you're going to be surrounded with people who will just tell you yes. And I think that's what's kind of what happened with magic. Yeah, and being out of touch with reality might be the number one trait that you don't want in your front office executive. Right. Which is why a lot of, you know, and we've said this, like, multiple times, like, why a lot of former greats, former great players turn out to be horrible front office executives because they like don't yeah. have a grasp of reality yeah yeah because their world is different from like the normal person's world which you know in a sense that makes sense though because like you know in normal reality when like you're playing a game you can't impose your will and be like i'm gonna fucking win this game like whatever it is whether it's an athletic game or anything in life like any facet in life usually you can't just be like impose your will and be like i'm gonna force the fucking issue and it's my will will be done you know what i mean like a fucking god you know what i mean yeah it's kind of like um daenerys right she, she had a, she had the dragon she had yeah the and she just straight up said you know dracarius you know yeah, and, and just she's kind of lost her grip on reality because right she had all that yeah and so when you have that ability and you're like you experience that time and time again it's kind of hard to all of a sudden come out of that that lifestyle that that reality where you're like oh shit okay so i can't just be like make it so and then things will be amazing you know yeah so that's why you see so many great players fall off such a high cliff you know in their playing days too you know because they're the shit that they you know, they try to pull when their prime just doesn't fly anymore. Like, Russell Westbrook is going to be a perfect example. His game, when he becomes, like, 30, what, 6 or whatever, it's going to be really sad. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's 
the way he plays is kind of like always the way he plays and he's never had to reinvent himself or yeah add different types of tools to his arsenal so yeah he might end up struggling a little bit whereas you know another another example is like Derrick Rose so he had like a catastrophic injury and because of that he was forced to like learn how to shoot learn right. how to you know be a little bit more uh, crafty like scoring wise and so he's re- been able to resurrect his career because he was like forced into a position where he had he had to make a change you know yeah uh, but a lot of these uber talented guys with you know the Midas touch <clears throat> they never have to do that ever yeah. and Magic Johnson's pretty much been like that I mean he did have the HIV setback <laughs> which I think you know that was pretty fucking huge but, but you know, but every- on the court, he was never even when he was playing like because he may try to make several comebacks. He that dude still filled up the stat sheet, even like yeah. you know, it, it, that's how amazing that guy was, you know. And you know, if you look back at that era, uh, you could actually blame him a lot for why that Lakers team fell apart. Wow. Okay. All right. Because look, you had. <laughs> you had Cedric Zabalos, Nick Van Exel, and Eddie Jones, which is like an awesome core. Right. And then the old veteran joins the team. Is, <laughs> is any of this sounding familiar? And uh, Magic wanted a bigger role because obviously he's like a ball-dominant player. Right. And uh, By the way, for anybody, I mean, if you're too young to know this, though, like Magic actually made a comeback pretty fucking late in the... Like was it the night? It was early nineties. It was late in the 90s? mid mid nineties. Mid nineties, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think, but yeah. He saw Jordan do it, so he's like, "Hey, I want to do it too." Yeah. Uh, but the fact that he rejoined the team and wanted to like run the offense again, it uh, rubbed Cedric Sabalas the wrong way, which is why that whole Lake Havasu shit happened back in the day. Um, I mean, we're going deep in the lore right now, deep in Laker history. This is like. Level. Do you think this is like not common knowledge anymore? To like, I don't think fans? so. Like people, I mean, no, I don't think so. Yeah, because people forget that era of basketball and yeah. Lakers. Imagine a imagine an NBA <laughs> player. To, uh, imagine the leading score on an NBA player today saying, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna take three days off." Yeah, he basically missed the plane to a road trip and took a took like a week off on a vacation, basically because he was fed up with like his diminished role on the team well you're and you're talking about Cedric Sabalas right yeah and uh yeah they ended up having to trade his ass like the next year and he was like this on a guy his who way scored 50 being, points in one game yeah he was he was a he was an all-star and he was on his way to being like a cornerstone piece to the franchise and because Magic Johnson came in and stirred shit up he was unhappy with how things Played out, and then he got shipped out, and you know, obviously, um, you know, and Shaq and Kobe joined the team, and also, that just kind of like, solved a lot of warts and a lot of issues. But yeah, it ushered in a new era, right? And you know, Van Axel and, and Eddie Jones kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, too. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Like if you know, if you're too young to know this, but. People may not know this, but like Magic Johnson did not just go from oh he had this Hall of Fame career and then he had that bout with or that that situation with HIV and then he did he didn't just become a businessman and fade into the right into the sunset. I mean he tried to be a coach. 
with the Lakers. Yeah. He tried to make several comebacks with the Lakers. He also had the Magic Hour. If you guys didn't know this. Oh, right, yeah. He had a fucking talk show. A talk show, guys. This guy tried to do what Jimmy Kimmel and Conan O'Brien, all those guys did. He tried to have a little, I think it was on Fox maybe or something. Um, but yeah, that that just failed miserably. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, you know, you just think about like the things he's, and I got to say though, like from a, a human to human aspect of it, I admire Magic's like, fuck it. Like, of course I can do it. I'm going to do it. Like, it's very easy to understand why he's so successful. And I, yeah, and I give yeah. him, I actually feel like that, that trait is so admirable and like successful people have to have that trait, you know? Yeah, and on top of that, well, because he had that trait, that's why he was so successful. So right. he, won, he won a state title in high school. Right. He won a national championship in, in Michigan State. His rookie year, he wins the NBA championship. Right. He beats HIV. It's like, <laughs> of course you're going to think you can do anything. Right. But just don't be the president of basketball operations right. of the Lakers, you know? Right. Do anything else. Like, all of his, like, stupid tweets, it's all harmless right. fodder for us to, you know, laugh over and all that. You know what? It's so crazy. Now that we've, we're talking about it and we've unpackaged it. I'm thinking, of course Magic Johnson thought he could do this fucking job. Yeah, like, it, makes thinking, a lot, it makes a lot of sense, you know? You know, it really does. It really does. Um, so I can't blame him. I, I, and to be honest, like, I know we've been shitting on him, like, a lot in these podcasts. But I feel like we always bring it back to the point that this is on Genie, right? Yeah. yeah. Because... You have to start at the top. Yeah, because you saw it, I saw it, and I think if you're listening... You definitely saw it too. Bringing Magic Johnson into the fold was such a bad idea from the beginning. At the very, at the very least, it was extremely risky. At a time where you shouldn't need to be risky, and you just really should not be doing that. There's no need to when you are the crown jewel of a of the NBA. You know, you shouldn't need to have to take these unnecessary risks. So he had no qualifications. No qualifications other than the fact that he was Laker royalty. Yeah. So, which I don't think is a qualification. No, right, right, exactly, absolutely right. Um, so yeah, I think you know his little uh, thing with his, you know, and did he, did you see him do his little finger guns with Stephen A. At the end? Oh, like, I didn't. Well, I didn't see the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm just like he totally did. Stephen A. totally did magic assault. You know, magic was like I want to get on the show and I just want to fucking put these guys on blast i want to put ralph link on blast you know but you know Stephen a is like a staunch like magic supporter though. oh without a doubt you could tell that's yeah. why yeah yeah um but i just found it so hilarious how Stephen a was just feeding him like questions like he's like okay no no no, hold on a second um so was it just rob or was someone else backstab backstabbing and magic's like just rob just <laughs> rob like, you know what i mean like and he's like rob palinka like r-o-b-p-n Magic's like yes that's the one that's the one yeah it's hilarious man yeah speaking of palinka so his his press conference uh appearance was quite different yeah, how did quite you think a contrast. He, yeah, how did magic. you think he handled that? So he took the high road. I, I can't help but to believe a little bit about all the talk about him being a snake and him being kind of a Weasley guy. We've called him Littlefinger. Yeah, but, you know. But at the same time, it's like that you 
that's kind of how a GM should carry himself, right? It, it, yeah. Like right. anyone else, you'd be like, yeah, he took the high road. And like whatever. Like, let me ask you: if someone were to say Danny Ainge is such a fucking snake, would you be like, what? No. I, I what are you been, talking about? I would have been the one saying that. Yeah. I'm the guy saying that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But and everybody is universally regarding Danny Ainge as like a top three GM, right? I don't think there's any doubt that he's a top tier. I would put him definitely top five, arguably top three. People will yeah, say maybe I mean, he created a, the uh, the quote unquote like treasure trove that the right, Celtics have. Right. Yeah. So you know, here he is, a guy that's highly regarded. Um, as a you know when things are going your way and you're making golden moves you're called shrewd but when you're like just fucking up you're a snake you know what I mean yeah so um, yeah and I'm not here to defend Rob Polinka because again I want him I want him out too but I will say this about Rob Polinka and we've said this many times I've said this many times before that's the one thing that Rob Polinka has in his side on his side is there's no doubt that that guy works his ass off and he's a bright guy, you know? Yeah. He's got several degrees. He worked his ass off. He wasn't like an athlete who just kind of coasted by. Um, I think he's got a law degree. I think he's got an MBA. Um, so the guy is obviously very intelligent and very hardworking. So that's the thing. If there's anything, this guy looks like he could evolve and learn, you know what I mean? So hopefully we'll see that in this offseason. I think actually Larry Nance came to his defense because we know how we we talked about this previously. How uh, oh yeah, there was a story out there that uh, Larry oh, right. Nance talked to Rob about. Are you going to trade me? He said no. He bought a house here and then he right. traded him. Right. But I think Larry Nance since then has come to Rob's defense and said that they still have a good relationship. Interesting. So maybe so all did this you say it, snake Did talk, you say something else in addition to? Uh, I forget. Okay. I forget. But um, yeah, maybe yeah. all the snake talk is a little overblown. I maybe that's all uh, Magic Johnson's. Uh, it could be. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the big problem that I have is if if indeed Palinka is just Kobe's mouthpiece. Right. Then I'd be like, ugh, I don't know if That's I want. That's a concern. I don't know if I want that in this Lakers organization. As much as we love Kobe, but again, we're talking about Kobe the player, right? Right. Having him uh, make, uh, you know, making the calls and stuff. It's well, it still has an unfeel. It's an uneasy feeling to well, think that that might be true. Right. Wanting to bring in Jason Kidd just smells of Kobe, though. Don't you think that smells of like Kobe's coaxing? Yeah, he has like a love affair with Jason Kidd. I mean, he he yeah. wanted the shit Bynum's ass out yeah. for Jason Kidd many years ago. Yeah, like I just can't imagine that Rob Palinka doing his quote unquote due diligence around the league of trying to find a suitable coach just stumbles upon Jason Kidd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, especially with the backlash that his name garnered. Right. So that just sounds so on much, the court and off the court. Right. That just sounds just reeks of Kobe's like, just his hands are all over that, you know. So it's a concern. I don't know. It's a concern. Yeah. But Polinka carried himself pretty well in the press conference. And... I didn't see the press conference. Did he still? Did he? I mean, one thing he needs to fix is he just sounds nutty sometimes. You know. Did he? Did he? I think he sounded okay. Okay, that's good. Uh, 
he did point out that he and Magic had talked like uh, just but a few days ago on the phone. That's interesting. Like they talked about how the Lakers ended up with the number four pick, which adds more confusion to everything that's going on. But he did carry himself well, and you know I think the guy who did an even better job was Frank Vogel. So you, right? You so you were impressed. You by didn't no. see any any of uh, his. Uh, I saw quotes. I saw the quotes, though. He just seems like a guy that is changing his coaching style accordingly to the times. Okay. Because he he was saying how in Orlando, he has a... Well, he started off by saying there's a full understanding of, like, where the game is headed. It's about three-pointers now. And he was saying that the way he coached in Orlando is different from how he coached in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I guess apparently they got hit with the injury bug too. Right. Over there, which is why uh, his record on paper was bad. Right. Cause his tenure at Indiana was actually very like, good. I think right? he coached for uh, his tenure in Indiana was really good. Very good. Right. Yeah. He just ran it, ran up against the Miami Peak, peak LeBron and peak D-Wade, right. Miami Heat. So that was unfortunate on his part. Uh, but his time in Orlando wasn't as great on paper. I think he was only there for like two seasons. So he said he took this past year, he took it as a sabbatical to uh, think of like a new approach to the game. Mm. Which sounds just a breath of fresh air if you're a Lakers fan. <laughs> Yeah, he's not a former Laker. Like he has no, no ties, ties. No ties to the Lakers. Which is something that we just we absolutely just we desired, you yeah. know. For and he it. just kind of seemed like a very straight up dude. And ironically, um, it's ironic. It's a little bit ironic that he's the Lakers coach now because he has like such a strong relationship with Paul George. Oh gosh. Like I think Paul George said that uh, apart apart from his father, like. Frank Vogel was like the most influential man in his life. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> oh my god! So we have Frank Vogel, you know, but not we, Paul George. You know, we talk about uh, D'Angelo Russell always makes his way in our podcast. That fucking guy, Paul George, always <laughs> makes his way in our podcast too. But oh my god! So he knows how to connect with players, you know. Well, so the bigger, I mean, so for me, that my biggest question though is this, okay? And I think you know where this is going. Yeah, I think I know where it's going. Can Frank Vogel handle LeBron James? Yeah, that's a, because, that's a million dollar question. Because here's the thing, like, you want to talk about basketball mind? Like, yeah, I would say if you were to compare basketball minds, Frank Vogel versus Tyron Lue, yeah, I mean, for sure, I would go with Frank Vogel. I feel like Frank Vogel would, yeah. you know, clearly has, he, all the, he knows all that shit. Um, but that's not the reason why I wanted Tyron Lue. Player management. Right. right? Tyron Lue was... Managing personalities. Yeah, he's, he's a proven guy of being able to control LeBron James, a.k.a. the most important player on your roster. So if Frank Vogel can't do that, I don't, it doesn't matter really how smart he is or how brilliant he is because when your best player is just kind of shutting you off and disrespecting you, in front of the other players, especially young, impressionable players, it's just, it's not going to bode well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wonder how that, I mean, not only that, (laughs) 
you, you gotta worry about your players respecting you. If you gotta, you want to talk, we were talking about snakes too. If you got, yeah, that's the other your, thing. That's the other thing that, yeah, is, is definitely has to be on our radar. Is like, is he, is Frank Vogel actually like, is the, the intention for him to actually be the head coach yeah. for the foreseeable future, or is Jason Kidd being groomed? Yeah, because there are a lot of theories. Uh, there are theories out there that because of Jason Kidd's checkered past, they couldn't just up and hire him. Yeah, you know, straight up. But they needed like some kind of buffer. So is is Frank Vogel just like a buffer for the Jason Kidd era? Do you think Frank Vogel thinks that? I mean, he's obviously not going to say that outwardly. I mean, he seems like a smart guy. Yeah, and. I don't know if you're if you're Frank Vogel, would you have taken this job if that was? Well, that was I the feel case? like if you don't have the support of your front office, <laughs> your assistants, yeah, and pot potentially your best player, would you take that job? Well, that's the thing is that like I don't know what Frank Vogel's mindset is going into this. Like you can think of it in different ways. Like yeah, you can think of it as either a like wow. This is a really shitty situation, and it's in the grand scheme of things, it seems pretty damn no win unless you bring home a championship, which is already a really hard thing to do. Yeah. Or you could, he could think of it as B, as in like I'm not getting a paycheck right now, you know. Or I don't know if he's still like on contract, but he's obviously getting paid now with like the new this new one, you know. So it's like either like I do you know what his on, deal is. I don't really know what his I don't deal know, is. but he was like being a he was like an announcer. Uh, analysts for like the jump maybe or something like that um you know but it's either like being at home doing nothing versus like it's kind of like if you have a mindset of like well i don't know who who the fuck cares like let's just go and check see how far it goes you know what i mean yeah then yeah okay i could see why he would do it i mean because what's the alternative there's no there's no real alternative for frank vogel yeah it is it is alluring to like be able to coach a LeBron James too, you know. Right. Having, I feel like that's a, that would be appealing to just about any coach out there. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like, this is an interesting point you bring up because if you are a coach and you bring home a championship, if you get a championship on your resume, that is you will instantly. Always be able to find a job in the NBA. Yeah. You know? It's an instant resume builder. Uh, like Tyron Liu. If he never wins a championship, he's a joke. There's no doubt people would think he's... Maybe not a joke, but there's just people just don't would not really care for the guy. Yeah. He's still the guy that Iverson stepped over, you know? But now, he's a championship coach who... You know, coach LeBron to uh, you know a championship. Yeah, instant credibility. Instant credibility. Yeah. So, like you say, like having LeBron James and even just having an opportunity to win a championship, I could see how Frank Vogel's like, why the fuck not? You know. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about the playoffs. Yeah. Um. So the Warriors swept the Blazers. I'm so shocked about that. <laughs> without without Kevin Durant. So shocking. 
I think uh, I think the Raptors won again today, so it's two two. Oh my god! I hope I hope the Bucks win that. I'm worried that Toronto's just playing Kawhi Leonard to the ground. They're they're oh, like giving yeah. him the uh, Clayton Kershaw treatment right now. <laughs> that and, is concerning. And that he's he might be too tired for the next team he's on, aka the Lakers. <laughs> but he's filled up the stat sheet though. 19 points, 2 blocks, 4 steals. Uh, I still feel like the Bucks are going to take this series, though. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but yeah, the Warriors, they're just chilling now until the NBA Finals. Oh, I mean, was there, was, there really any, was there really any doubt about that? It's just, yeah. There's an argument out there that... Um, they're a better team without Kevin Durant, <laughs> which is probably which is ridiculous. Yeah, I that's mean, ridiculous. You, you're never better without having a top two player in the game. Yeah. Um, but I will say though that even though Kevin Durant is the best player on that team, I would say Steph is the most valuable player on that team. Oh, for sure. He's kind of the engine that makes everything go. Yeah, he's a. Uh... Yeah, he's a player. It's weird. I mean, Kevin Durant is such a unique player. He's a historic player, but Steph Curry is just like you said, he's an engine. I think I think the Warriors are something like 31 and 1 when uh, when they have a full roster without Kevin Durant or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh their their efficiency drops significantly when Steph's not on the court and everyone else is playing. So, you know, you, you suspected that even without KD, the Warriors are going to kind of have their way through the rest of the playoffs. It mm-hmm. kind of looks like that right now. So I don't even know how much more we need to talk about the playoffs. <laughs> Just move on to uh, the free agent <laughs> offseason here. I agree. I think, I mean, that's, it's just, the NBA playoffs, I've always felt it was a formality, you know? It's been a formality since, like... Kevin Durant's line. Yeah. yeah. So the past couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to watch now that uh, Game of Thrones is over? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's what are a, you going to do with your Sunday nights? There's a there's a hole in my heart that uh needs to be I don't know. Do you Yeah. I mean, I I I still have HBO now, but yeah. uh and they do have a, like a shit ton of shows on on yeah. the channel now. I mean, my brother recommends uh Deadwood. I still haven't seen that. So I might just watch that, but They have a they're coming out with that Watchmen series oh yeah that looked actually pretty sick yeah jeremy irons is on that yeah that looks pretty sick um i heard um what's that one show with like nicole kidman and reese witherspoon i heard that was pretty little liars or something like that no that's the other i think that's the other one that's the martini bopper one or whatever (sighs) big lot big little lies oh (laughs) i think I don't know. I think that's the name of the show. But I heard that it's on good. HBO, right? Yeah. I, I oh, heard... actually, you know what's a really good show is Barry. You know what? I watched like you didn't like the pilot. I watched some of the pilot. I couldn't really get into it. Oh, okay. Well, I think I was distracted doing something else. But yeah, um, yeah it's a good show. Yeah, I, I, it's it's entertaining. Yeah, but yeah, we need to find something else to uh, fill up our. If you guys, uh, you know, if you guys are listening and you have a suggestion on what we can watch next, throw us a line. I mean, I still need to catch up on uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, that's right. Me too. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise, otherwise we're kind of running a shit to uh, watch and talk about. So um, I think we're gonna end the podcast here. Yeah. There's, you know, there's never gonna be a shortage of things happening in Lakerland. I'm sure by this time next week, some other bomb is gonna drop and kind of set like, you know, Lakers media, social media on fire yet again. What a, what 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 would be your prediction? What could what would be a good prediction where you would believe that? I don't know. Like what could happen next? Yeah, Rob Polinka stepping down. Nah, it doesn't happen. seem like he's getting fired. No, yeah, he's pretty he's pretty entrenched in in the, in the organization. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, what 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 is there left to uh, happen before the draft? <laughs> I don't know. I I yeah, I gotta say though, it's. I mean, didn't you feel like universally everybody was breathing a sigh of relief that Jim Bus was pushed out, right? At the time, yeah. Yeah, and people were excited about Genie Bus, and people were thinking, "Wow, Genie Bus is this is this is gonna be great." She's she's cut from the same cloth. She just reminds people of Jerry, and like you know, they felt that they felt like she was gonna take us into the the new era of like winning Laker basketball. Yeah. You know, actually, another thing um, yeah. that Magic said on on first take was how he was like talking about how he had to like deal with Joey and Jesse right. Bus too. I like, what too. was that? It's just him just trying to like, yeah, garner more sympathy. Yeah, or, yeah, because yeah. he said he had to. You know the word he used? Monitor. He had to monitor like, them. Yeah. Because if by all accounts, like Jesse Buss is like the reason why we've been so good in the draft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, that, I mean, I, I just thought yeah. that was like a, a weird thing for him to say. Well, also, you know, he had a, he had a conversation with Jeannie a couple of days before and she said, is there anything that I should know about? And Magic said, no. He's like, nah, nah, yeah. we're good, we're good. Yeah, he's like, well, watch for it on first take. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out on first take. Um, but yeah, you know, like, it's you know we were really excited about genie bus taking the mantle you know and now we're i think we're starting to realize like all these problems can all be traced back to her so it's concerning yeah and yet if the lakers sent Kawhi leonard <laughs> that might just solve everything yeah winning does cure, cure everything yeah in sports so let's hope that that happens let's hope that the bucks hurry up and eliminate the raptors and let's hope that this season is finally put to bed as soon as possible so with that said thank you for listening if you're still listening after an hour and a half of this uh, from both of us so on behalf of The two Chris's, we say thank you for listening and we'll check in with you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in to 81 Points. We are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me, Chris Lim, and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.